get to the bottom of what's truly healthy in this crazy, complex world. So you can take back what is rightfully yours. Welcome to the Health Sovereign Podcast. This is your host, Logan Christopher. How Big Tobacco Won. I'm trying something new here that I've never done before. For the past year or so, I've gotten into the citizen journalism game, specifically around exposing corruption, most notably in the health and medical space. Since our media isn't doing it, someone's got to. To spend time here takes away from time devoted to my businesses, which I still need to do to pay the bills. With my recent positive experience in using GoFundMe after my house burned down, the idea occurred to me to try this method out. If you'd enjoyed my journalistic endeavors, medical monopoly musings, pandemic updates, or my writing in general, then this is an opportunity to support me in doing more of it. At this time, I feel like it's the most important work to be done, but as I said, while this endeavor is passionate, it has not been profitable. I want to create the following special report. I will be giving it away for free when it is done, but this is a chance to support this work so I can spend less time in my businesses specifically and more so here. How Big Tobacco Won, Important Lessons for Today in Corporate Power over Law, Science, Media, and Culture. Those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. We've all heard this phrase, but as it's become somewhat cliche, few really aim to understand history, especially what I would call its seedy underbelly. Everyone I know is vaguely aware of what Big Tobacco did in peddling cigarettes, vaguely being the key word. Ask yourself, how did they get away with being hugely profitable for decades and decades when science was actually quite clear about these risks? Although many think that Big Tobacco eventually lost, I think it is more accurate to say that they won instead. The fact is all of these companies are still around and hugely profitable. I'd say that is winning, especially given the unethical behavior and crimes they committed. I would also argue you must understand the details. Why? Not because you'll get tricked by Big Tobacco in the future, but because these same strategies and tactics are used by industry after industry. Many industries are successfully using them today, and most people are none the wiser. They haven't learned this history. But some did. The PR firms that Big Tobacco worked with learned. The predatory CEOs that put profits over people learned. Those that would control scientific opinion learned. Those that would buy politicians and regulators learned. Lawyers learned. Although they manipulated public perception for decades before, we can say the conspiracy really began to turn darker in 1953 when the tobacco companies colluded seeking to control scientific opinion. It wasn't until 2004, over 50 years later, that they were charged and found guilty of these crimes. 50 years. But some believe conspiracies don't ever actually happen. This was a racketeer and corrupt organizations, aka RICO case, which means conspiracy by a group. Not only must you understand what has become known as the tobacco playbook, but you need to find out how this was brought into the 21st century right as big tobacco was finally falling from grace. Still, you cannot understand how it is being done today if you don't understand the genesis of these methods as pioneered by big tobacco. The truth is that tobacco is simpler than what has gone on in other industries for a variety of factors that I plan to explore. In addition to the written PDF form, I'll be reading this aloud and posting it to the Health Sovereign podcast. I don't know how long it will be in its final form, and I don't have a specific due date, just a vague idea that the more money I raise, the faster and better I'll engage in this project. If you'd like to support my endeavors, if you'd like to support my endeavors to expose these corrupting strategies, then here's your chance. 
Head on over to healthsovereign.com tobacco, and you'll be taken to the GoFundMe page where you can chip in whatever you feel is appropriate, whatever you can do. No pressure, but for those that can and want to, this is available for you. Once again, that's healthsovereign.com tobacco. Thanks for listening to that donation ad, I guess you could call it. Trying something new, as I said. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So just so you know, this podcast actually costs money to run. Uh, it's not really a profitable endeavor in and of itself. But you're listening to it, uh, and if you want to support this moving forward, here is an opportunity to do so. Uh, depending on how this goes, maybe more like this in the future. We shall see. Now on to today's main topic, which is why I left California. There are a couple reasons, but first and foremost, it is a matter of medical freedom. And that's why I'm talking about it here on the podcast today. So what do I mean by medical freedom? Specifically, is for my daughter. So my daughter, Elka, she's a little over two and a half years old right now. In California, they have passed a couple of laws. Uh, I may be mixing these two up, but there's SB 277 and SB 276, I believe they are. Uh, the first one of those passed a couple of years ago, made it so that only medical exemptions were allowed uh, for children not getting vaccinations to be able to go to school. You can still homeschool, but you could not go to not only just public school, but private schools as well without having up-to-date vaccinations according to the CDC schedule. Then recently, I believe this was passed last year, uh, was the one that modified that even further, that you could still get medical exemptions, but the medical exemptions had to be approved by a basically board of bureaucrats at the state level and not just by your doctor themselves. The, I guess, marketing for this was that, ooh, there's these bad doctors that are just writing anyone medical exemptions. Really what, how this is hurting people is there are doctors that say like, oh, your kid was vaccine injuries. Hey, vaccine injuries are a real thing. Uh, this is why the National Vaccine Injury Act was passed back in 1986. <laughs> you can't deny it. And I guess people kind of like Holocaust deniers. There are vaccine injury deniers out there. And sorry, folks, it's, it's more than one in a million. I'll talk about some cases of that. Anyway, so with this, this new law, they made it so that only like approved medical exemptions could go through. Your doctor no longer really had a say. They could petition and whatnot. But these are cases. Some kids, they get a vaccine injury, not like super bad but moderately bad to the point where like, oh, it's clear. If you get more vaccines, you're going to further injure your child. But if this is not on the approved list of what counts for a medical exemption, then hey, you're shit out of luck. So this is what has taken place in California. It's somewhat similar in New York, a few other states like this. So one of the things to understand about this is that big pharma, because vaccines are the same companies, as big pharma. Not a lot of people put those two together simply because it's not advantageous to the propaganda for that to occur. But big pharma has, although they certainly operated on the federal level, they moved more into the state level because they could do these different things. And while big pharma used to be more in the pocket of Republicans, 
at some point, for whatever reason, that did seem to shift more to the Democratic side. Uh, and it's interesting because I have something of a libertarian bent. You know, I talk about self-responsibility and sovereignty, and I do see that as tied into all other people because of our, of our interdependency. But with that libertarian bent, it's, it's interesting. Like libertarian, the way I see it, used to be more allied with the Democratic side, but has certainly shifted at some point in uh, not too many years past towards more of the Republican side where that conservative are real still fighting for medical freedom for people's rights and that sort of thing whereas the democratic is oh it's all about the collective so with these laws as i said they took place in california so our plan was to have our daughter go to school <laughs> the only other option once again would be homeschooling and we've certainly looked at that, that that's a possibility so we've now moved up to oregon oregon they tried to pass the same sort of law here as far as getting rid of philosophical and religious exemptions but in oregon this bill was defeated hopefully it will remain that way i have no illusions that oregon is a perfect state by any stretch of the mean it also leans blue so uh is more in control of democrats which seem to be pushing for this i imagine they will try for it again that's a thing that happens with these laws when you have lobbyists and lawyers and all kinds of people you can pay such as big pharma does have then you can try oh it fails okay let's try again let's wrap it in some other clothing let's use some other messaging and let's see what happens so these kind of laws and different variations of these laws they are trying to pass them in state after state after state after state and it's a move forward two inches move back one sort of deal they're fine with this moving slowly because it is giving them more control with every single step along the way fortunately some people are trying to introduce legislation that locks in more of the medical freedom that actually helps people in this way. So I, I believe that hopefully Oregon is enough, but I make no illusions. It may not be completely. We were planning to do this. We kind of solidified our plans as far as moving out of California at the end of 2019. Uh, tried to sell the house to do so. Then we were just about to list the house back on the market. That's when COVID hit and the pandemic, we decided to lay low for a little while. Then we decided, okay, let's still go with it because with COVID and that obviously playing into this whole vaccine debate and agenda, uh, we weren't sure what was gonna go on. Is there gonna be a nationwide mandatory vaccination law? It's possible, still possible. We'll see what happens, but what we'll likely see is or what we are seeing thus far is different, not even states like universities and uh, nursing unions, that sort of thing are mandating this vaccine before the vaccine's even available. And they're making more mandates of the flu vaccine, not just COVID because uh, they don't, well, they're using that same line again. They don't want the hospitals to be overwhelmed with flu patients when there's also COVID patients. That's the reasoning there because the hospitals got so overwhelmed previously, right? So, of course, there are some other reasons, the really high taxes in California, you know, you get a raise moving anywhere else and then the cost of living as well. It's super expensive to live in California, of course, some areas more so than others. I lived in Santa Cruz in the Bay Area. It certainly was expensive, so I get an automatic raise moving out of there. That's not so bad. I am certainly looking at money as power to be able to fight such things and using that money and power appropriately because... Well, it, it is largely a power game. 
my studying of all this stuff, it is about power. Big Pharma has tons of power. Average people, people that are worried about medical freedom, do not have so much power. If we can consolidate that, if we can actually use it, then we can fight such things, especially, you know, having the truth on our side. So California is facing a mass exodus. Uh, for some people, it is the medical freedom issue. For other people, just the cost of living. Of course, the wildfires being a big thing. That certainly threw a kink in my plan, losing my house seven days before we were sold. Uh, but we're moved out of state nonetheless. One thing I want to bring up, this just actually kind of recently got triggered for us. A former client of my wife, she... We hadn't heard this story before, but uh, in talking about moving to Oregon, it got brought up. Uh, she had moved out of state to uh, a different state based on vaccine injuries. Her daughter got injured at two and a half years old, so right at Elka's age, to the point she got vaccine where it caused, I believe it was a nine-day fever. It caused a whole bunch of stuttering. Uh, she was speaking before and then could not put a sentence together. Of course, the doctors denied that this was related to the vaccine. You know, it's just one of those coincidences where a child loses all things. And sure, there's, there are other reasons, but this is what happens when we deny vaccine injuries. It makes us blind to actually seeing when they happen. But thankfully, the mother saw it. She stopped vaccinating. She had another child after that, did not vaccinate there. So can't be in California for these reasons. I mean, you can homeschool, but that's not available option to most people, I guess, you know, with this whole COVID thing and uh, everything that's going on with schooling there, that's certainly changing things up. Maybe more people will move into homeschooling. When I was thinking about having children, and certainly as I had my child, this has made me look out more into the world. Previously, I was content to keep my head down, kind of focus on myself, focus on my business. But, you know, I want the best for my daughter. And the best for my daughter cannot happen just by me focusing on her. Because she has to live in the world at large and, you know, thinking even further ahead to her children and grandchildren. Assuming she has them. We're all tied together. It's an interdependency. So even though I'm all about self-responsibility, I recognize we're all tied together. And if we do not have the choice for medical freedom, so it's, it's in a, I guess if you want to call it subtle way, so there's only medical exemptions and it only matters if you're going to school. But how much longer until you can't travel, until you have your up-to-date vaccine record, both as a child and an adult? There's this myth that vaccines do not make a lot of money. While other drugs may be much more profitable, vaccines do absolutely make a lot of money. They can be very profitable. And if they're mandated, then that is just guaranteeing future income. So as a business, it makes sense that vaccine manufacturers, the drug companies, would seek to do such things. Of course, if you understand they're hurting people, they're killing people, then you understand that these, although it makes dollars and cents sense, uh, it is not a good thing to do. It's not moral. It's not ethical. This is what we're dealing with. So I'm looking out into the world, understanding more of the world in order to better be able to fight for myself and for my family and for future generations as well. 
The medical freedom issue is fundamental to me. You can't have health sovereignty if a government can say, like, you have to get this largely untested thing injected into your body. And it, simple as that, comes down to that. The good news is there are people that are fighting this. The Children's Health Defense, that that's Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s nonprofit organization. I had that big tobacco. One of the things that I learned from this was what allowed the regulation and revelation of really what big tobacco had done largely occurred in the courtroom. And that's something I plan to be exploring as I further research, research that and write it out. The courtroom, the discovery that got involved, the whistleblowers that came out. Children's Health Defense is suing government agencies, is suing big pharma companies, even though they're exempt from liability, there are possible ways around that in order to get the truth out there. They're winning, they're winning these battles, small battles here and there, but they are actually winning them. And we see the same thing with Monsanto and Roundup, right? Litigation, they're losing these trials. Now Bayer is in a lot of trouble because they're having to pay out massive amounts of money which is a good thing. And we see from those trials some sneaky, sneaky stuff like running intelligence operation against activists and people that had an anti-Monsanto message. So Children's Health Defense is doing this. ICANN is another one, the Informed Consent Action Network, Del Bigtree being behind that one. These are two uh, organizations that I am currently supporting and plan to do even more so in the future. So for me, Thankfully, with how I've set up my life, I have the optionality, one, to homeschool if needed. Uh, well, not even needed. It seems more and more of a smart choice to do so. But I'm able to do it. I have the optionality of it. I have the optionality of just picking up and moving out of state. And, you know, who knows? Might need to be out of country at some point. Stuff's going crazy. We'll only get crazier. But I wanted to share this message to explain why I'm doing it because first and foremost, although the, you know, the quote unquote pay raise is great, it is about a medical freedom issue. That is what's important. And I don't think any average person that may not be open to this or considering this beforehand is listening this far, but uh, there's so much evidence if you're willing to scratch below the surface. You cannot trust the experts. The experts have been bought and paid for in so many cases, case after case. We have the evidence. It is there. The science is not settled. Well, it may be settled, but in the opposite direction of they say of what it is. Uh, and you can see the CDC, what they actually have to uh, back a lot of the stuff they're saying is the flimsiest of evidence possible. When we're talking about health sovereignty, yes, it begins with self-responsibility, but we need to understand it goes beyond that because the powers that be do not want you to have that. It's not in their self-interest for you to have that. So in order to maintain it with where we are right now in history, we do need to become better at collectivizing and fighting against it. This is what I have arrived at. Once again, I would rather just keep my head down and do my own thing and not be concerned with this, but I've been called to be concerned with this. Uh, it is in my self-interest 
and my family's interest to do so. And I share this message in the hopes that perhaps you'll recognize the same. Now, I do want to say this. A lot of people, I've, I've seen it, a lot of people resist the looking into vaccines because, well, this information was not available years ago. I mean, there's trickles of it, but we didn't have it wide open like the internet, which is why they're all censoring this now as well. Uh, so I don't want this message to come across as blaming other people for vaccinating. Um, we just need to get this message out there. I mean, I was vaccinated as a kid. I, I seem to be doing fine. I have this theory that maybe everyone is vaccine injured. It's just a matter of degree. Uh, it's hard to say. We don't actually have the science to really look at that because there are subtle and long-term consequences as such. And it may be some people just can detox the aluminum or other toxins in there and don't actually have a problem with it. I don't know the true answer to that. I don't begrudge my parents for vaccinating me with what information they had. I mean, ideally, yeah, probably not. Based on what I know now, it seems that vaccines are worse than they are better. Absolutely, they do seem to protect against some of these diseases, and I think they do have some possible case uses. You gotta look at risks and rewards, but the standard, just follow along with what the CDC says, uh, that does not teach you about the real risks and rewards. This day and age, you gotta do research for yourself and for your family. Uh, so once again, just sharing this message to put this out there. I haven't talked about vaccines a whole lot, starting to get into it. And for a large part, I did want to talk about this more after I had left California because it is a sensitive issue. Uh, I was reading something that put it like the population is weaponized against us. I know people, seemingly reasonable people that hate anti-vaxxers, uh, that think they're stupid and they deserve to die. They deserve their children to die. Propaganda works well when you don't have to enforce it. You get the population to enforce it themselves. And unfortunately, that's where we seem to be at at this point. But the good news is, as Children's Health Defense, as the Informed Consent Action Network, as tons and tons of other people uh, get to know this, and there is more conversation despite censorship, despite ridicule, despite harassment, despite all the weapons against, this movement is growing. And to me, that, that warms my heart. That's a good thing. And I hope we can continue the momentum before it is too late. With this, with this COVID thing, there definitely is going to be increased demands. And we, we see vaccines in the headlines just crazy right now. And it's very interesting to see this conversation about, is this safe? Is this effective? Being in a more public ground with this vaccine and now politicized, you know, the Trump vaccine versus the Biden vaccine. It's kind of crazy how things are going here. So at this point, I feel I'm just rambling. Hope you've enjoyed this message, gained something from it. If you have questions, head on over to healthsovereign.com 50. This is our 50th episode. Uh, I'm going to keep going. We got a lot more to discuss, a lot more on health sovereignty. Thanks for listening.